We're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that. So we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome Welcome to to our our Gut Talk. Talk. We are very excited about this episode sponsor because Jill and I have been using these electrolytes for a while now. And recently we made a video saying we don't drink a lot of plain water and the responses were interesting. Let me explain further. To properly hydrate, you want to include water with electrolytes. Hear me out. When you sweat, you are losing water and sodium. Both of these need to be replaced to prevent headaches, muscle cramps, energy dips, confusion, and more. I used to get a cramp after big workouts, especially at night that would wake me up. It was that really deep cramp that hurt like hell. If you've had one, you know what I'm talking about. But after drinking electrolytes with my water, I cannot remember the last time that that's happened. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. They also boost performance and recovery. Element, spelled L-M-N-T, is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Jill and my favorite flavors are the raspberry and watermelon salt. We also love citrus. What we do is we add the electrolytes to a big reusable bottle of water and sip on it all day. So if you're someone who constantly says you need to drink more water, this might be right up your alley. It also makes drinking water fun. We have a deal for the Gut Talk community. You can go to drinkelement.com. That's drinkelement.com slash guttalkgirls. We also link it in the show notes to get a free Element sample pack when you make any purchase through our link. The Element sample pack includes one packet of every flavor. This is perfect for anyone who's interested in trying all the flavors or if you want to introduce a friend to Element. So try it out and let us know what you think. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jilly. We've got a good pod episode today. We do indeed. We're delivering some information that is actually one, digestible, mm-hmm. and two, there are so many takeaways from this episode. So many. So we had on Danny Granick. He is the CEO of Bristle. And you're probably like, what's Bristle? So basically what they do is they're an at-home test that analyzes your oral microbiome to measure, understand, and improve your oral health. So breaking that down, it's a test to test how your oral health is. Yeah. And I mean, I think he says this on the podcast episode, but oral health is actually really personal. Like no one wants to talk about the state Mm -hmm. of their teeth and their gums And we really dive into a lot of the myths on things that can help you and your oral health that maybe aren't true. We take away what you can actually do to improve your oral health. Um, And honestly, I was pretty blown away by the episode. And there are some things I'm going to do starting today to improve my oral microbiome. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because... We're just told, you know, brush your teeth, floss, you want to have good breath and no cavities, but there's so much more that goes into having good oral health and the side effects of having poor oral health, which you'll hear on the podcast, 
that can be really detrimental to your body and your health. So oral health really ties into whole body health as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Danny does a really great job of keeping it high level because mm-hmm. I was a little nervous that I wasn't going to understand a lot on the podcast, but right. it was super digestible and I'm really excited for everyone to get the major takeaways on why you need to start improving your oral health today. Exactly. And at the end, he gives a lot of things that you can do to start taking action literally after you listen to this, as well as we play a little game with him that is debunking some TikTok myths just to make sure we've got it down on what we should and shouldn't be doing. Okay, enough from us. We'll let the experts speak. But I have a feeling you and I are about to be oral health girlies. (laughs) Agreed. So here we go. Let's get into it. This is Danny on Gut Talk. We're excited to have you on the pod. Um, for us, I think the oral micro- microbiome is something that's not talked about that much. And I personally just kind of heard about it when Jenna started talking about it. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And that's why we're having you on today is because Jenna can only say so much about it as well. So right. we're really interested in, in digging into that with you and making it in a digestible format. Um, so first, just for our listeners, can you give us a little bit of background on you? You're the co-founder at Bristle and what is it and how'd you get there? Yeah. Uh, so hi listeners. My name is Danny. (laughs) I'm the the co-founder and CEO at Bristle. We're, uh, at our core, I think a biotechnology company, but basically we, we developed a test and we take uh, a sample of saliva. So anybody who's done a 23andMe test or something like that, you spit in a tube and you send it to a lab. And we look at the bacteria, fungi, and viruses that live inside of your mouth. And based on those, those microbes or those little bugs, um, we provide insights into your oral health status. So uh, there's good bacteria that are related to, obviously, good oral health and can influence our overall health. And then there's bad bacteria that can be in your mouth. And those can cause things like cavities, gum disease, bad breath, but they're also tied to conditions like Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes. And based on your results in the bacteria we find, we give you a personalized care plan. So everything from dietary recommendations to oral care products and ingredients you should look for to the best hygiene practices for you to implement. And the goal is to eliminate those bad bacteria, increase the good bacteria, and improve your oral and overall health. Yeah, it's, it's funny because when you say that, the first thing I think about is we think about bacteria, good bacteria, bad bacteria. We think probiotics, but I never think about it like starting in your mouth. So um, I get like you go to the dentist, right, for like cavities and making sure I don't even know they check your gum health, right? <laughs> um, but you said that the test can detect a lot more talk. Can you talk about that? Like if, if I get tested and my bacteria is bad, is it going to be like, Oh, you have cardiovascular issues. Like how does, like, how do you display that information in a way that doesn't just freak everyone out, but kind of guides them in the right direction? Yeah. It's, I would say it's harder to display information that doesn't freak people out for bad breath than like cardiovascular disease. Ironically. <laughs> it's a red flag. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> So let's, I, I guess we can start from the basics. So let's, let's take, let's think about like a typical visit to the dentist, right? You go to the dentist and, you know, while your mouth is like pried open, they're looking inside of your mouth and 
they're looking for decay on your teeth or staining or uh, in the case of gum disease, they'll look at something called pocket depth, which is basically the amount of space between your tooth and your gum line. And, you know, you'll get an x-ray and they'll look for decay there as well. But the underlying theme is that they are looking for the symptoms of disease. So pocket depth, if you have a lot of space between your teeth and your gums, that's a symptom of periodontal disease, gum disease. Um, Obviously, if they find decay in the x-rays, that's a symptom of cavities, and it allows them to make the diagnosis of that condition. So we've been operating basically like diagnosing disease at the very tail end of its progression. But and I would say it's similar to, you know, in a very kind of like gruesome way, it's like diagnosing cancer, but you're waiting until you see tumors to like make the diagnosis. Mm, um, yeah. And as a company, like we were thinking, okay, like how do we, how do we shift this? Like, how do we be more proactive about health and how do we get to the root cause of these diseases? So the reality is that most oral diseases, cavities, gum disease, bad breath, oral thrush, burning mouth syndrome, like all of these conditions are largely rooted in bacteria. So they're, they're infections. Um, and by looking at the bacteria using our technology, we can find them at the smallest abundances before they've had a chance to cause the damage that a dentist would see, you know, six months from now as a symptom and diagnose it. So we're getting really, really early detection of those, those root cause factors at a stage when we can help prevent them. And in the case of probiotics, um, there are like, I think the interesting thing about probiotics is very few people ever ask like where where are these probiotics coming from like how are they made mm -hmm. uh, a lot of probiotics were actually or are actually uncovered in like the gut microbiome or the oral microbiome of healthy people so they a lot of the strains already exist they're just being uncovered in kind of these like superhuman individuals and then they pluck it out, they package it up and they sell it, you know, to people that don't have those strains because they confer beneficial health benefits. Um, as far as the connection between, you know, the bacteria in our mouths and systemic disease, you swallow food, you swallow spit, you swallow bacteria. Yeah. It, it makes its way around your body. And, um, you know, just like plaque buildup on our teeth causes, health issues in our mouths, plaque buildup in our arteries causes issues with our hearts. And in some cases, the bacteria that are causing that plaque buildup are the same ones. And in a lot of those cases, they originate in our mouths and they basically travel around our bodies, end up in our arteries and cause problems there as well. So is it hard to have good gut health if you have bad oral health, oral health? Sometimes. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, the body's a really complex environment and there are certain bacteria that can migrate from our mouths to our guts and cause issues there. So we actually have a, a gut score as part of our analysis and we look specifically at those bacteria and it can kind of indicate like if you have gut issues and we find those bacteria in your mouth, there's a good chance that like it's those oral bacteria that are contributing or causing those those gut issues as well 
uh, I will say like, you know, 90% plus of the bad bacteria in our mouths are killed off by our digestive system, but there are a few that can make it through. And, you know, inversely, there are bacteria in our gut that can migrate to our mouths and, and cause issues there. So it's a, it's a two-way street. I don't think, you know, if you have gut issues, you can have fantastic oral health. If you have right. terrible oral health, you can have a fantastic digestive system. I don't know if I reverse those the right way, but <laughs> sure. Um, but but they but are you need both, connected. and you need both to get to this like really sustainable point in being healthy. Yeah. Well, and I think yeah, it depends on how you define health, right? Like uh, some people, you know, at the individual level, define health as the amount of body fat that they have and right. their idea of like getting healthy is exercising, but, mm -hmm. and they can justify eating a bunch of cheeseburgers every weekend and their cholesterol might be through the roof. But like, if they're not looking at that and the only way that they think of themselves as being healthy is, you know, their weight um, and aesthetics, then like they'll think that they're healthy, even though at the biological level, they're not. So, you know, to us, like, you need, yeah, you need gut health, you need oral health, you need mental health, you need physical health. Right. Healthy is like a bunch of different components that come together. Yeah. No, I mean, so we say that all the time. Um, when I first got out of college, I played softball in college. And so I was like lifting really heavy and basically just like eating to perform. And then when I got out, I started following all these influencers on Instagram and I started just emulating what they did. And so I was like, consuming the correct amount of calories and you know all the things like the really cool protein powders and the pre-workout and all that kind of stuff but I had every wrong thing with me in the book like I couldn't sleep my acne was horrible my stomach was a mess like I was like anxious super super anxious all the time and I'm like I don't understand it because I'm like I'm fit and so after a while and we finally got our gut health in check we're like fit definitely doesn't equal healthy but it's the biggest misconception of like exactly what you said like body fat and like your appearance dict dictates and to a certain extent yeah like if your skin is really messed up there's probably something internally that's like going on there but just because you look good externally does not mean <laughs> internally everything's functioning properly exactly and and yeah we're getting i mean it's a little philosophical right i think for a long time like still today oral health is one of those things where nobody really thinks about it as like this component of their health. I think beyond brushing and flossing, and even then like people say that they brush and floss, but like how many people actually, right. anyway. No, um, that's <laughs> it's true. Moral health company, it's, yeah, it's a right, right. Um, but, you know, people equate, and I think a mistake is that people equate oral health with dental care. Mm -hmm. And they're separate things. You wouldn't say uh, I'm super healthy because I my cardiovascular system is great because I go see my uh, cardiologist like three times a year to get my heart cleaned out. That doesn't sound <laughs> right. like good health, right? Like, yeah. But you're getting a lot of cardiovascular care. So, you know, I think that there's this idea that people have overlooked the idea of what oral health means on its own, like what a healthy mouth actually should look like and should feel like. And they have overlooked the role that oral health plays in overall health. 
And what we're trying to do at Bristle is kind of progress this idea of, you know, more dental care does not mean that you have good oral health. But if you have good oral health, you like definitely don't need dental care. And to be honest, like probably until very recently, I had no idea. Like I figured I go to the dentist. They every time they go in, they're like, you're doing a great job. I'm like, thank you. See you in six months. And I checked that off my list. I, I never think about it. I know, and we'll get into this recently, Jen and I have discussed more of like some of the things like mouthwash and things like that, that we like have always thought of as taking care of your oral health that maybe isn't. But I guess my question for you is what in a, in a very broad way without going too much into the details, how do we take better care of our oral health besides going to the dentist? Yeah. I mean, so this is going to sound so cliche, but like fundamentally good oral hygiene is the key and it's hard for me to say because again, like we're such a personalized company. My my first reaction is it depends on you as an individual because sure, right? yeah. there might be certain bad bacteria that we want to wipe out. But in terms of just like the basics, brushing with an electric toothbrush twice mm. a day, actually doing it for two minutes, being religious about it, flossing your teeth, and I know it sucks and I know it's a pain. Can you do? Can you do the like stick floss? Yeah, the the picks thing. The you know the the ones. Yeah, that it's come not in. Okay. like. So I would recommend it's not the most like environmentally friendly, but neither okay. 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 floss. Great I would point. suggest uh, a water a water pick. Oh, so wow. it's like this. Uh, it's like a we pressure washer for your mouth. Yeah. A lot, okay. Yeah. Can you can you explain that a little bit? Like why a water pick over floss? The reason, and and this is another interesting thing about oral health. Nobody really knows why. Like we do the things that we do, like at a fundamental level. So like, right, why right. do we brush our teeth? What does it actually do? Why do we floss? And a lot of people think that flossing is primarily about removing food from between your teeth. And it, yeah, it is kind of about that, but. Mm-hmm you know, let's, let's think about the bacteria that cause gum disease. So they live between your tooth and your gum line and they feed on, this is going to get a little gross, but like the scraps of food that you eat. And as they increase abundance, like as they start to multiply, that's what leads to gum disease. These bacteria are anaerobic. So they die in the presence of oxygen, which is why they live like in your gum line. There's no oxygen there. It's a perfect environment. Because they're hiding and protecting yeah, themselves. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So when you're flossing, like the goal is to basically introduce oxygen to those bacteria. You want to like wiggle them out of their their little space. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Get them exposed so to oxygen. <laughs> and, and the oxygen kills those bacteria. So that's why like, flossing is such a good practice to prevent the onset of gum disease. And why has no dentist ever told us this? <laughs> Yeah. Like I've never heard this before in my life. (laughs) Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. We can, we'll get into that as well. Brushing similarly, the, the bacteria that cause cavities love to live on the surface of your teeth and they develop plaque and that's largely a defense mechanism. It's, you know, rubber glue so that when you're, when you have saliva coming through or you're eating food, they're not just getting pushed down to your gut and dying in your digestive tract. So the goal of front book, the goal of brushing is to uh, basically disturb the plaque and again, like remove those bacteria in such a way as you can either swallow them or wash them down with water. Your saliva is like a great thing. People with dry mouths suffer from tons of cavities because their mouths are really dry and they're unable to biologically like remove those cavities causing bacteria. 
so that's kind of like the point of those practices. And a water pick works really well because it's this great combination of hydrating your mouth, like flushing out all of the gunk that it's pushing, and it's harder to mess up. Okay, interesting. <laughs> like, that makes sense. You can miss some teeth, you don't get all the way in there, the water pick. Yeah, it's literally, I mean, it's a pressure washer. You know, it's the difference between like trying to clean a car with your hand and a towel yeah. and using a pressure washer. You're going to miss spots if you use your hand. Right. Right. Uh, well, I'm going to start with the oral pick before I take the test. Yeah, Jill needs to actually <laughs> um, floss before. Well, yeah. first of all, no, I'm saying that I'm buying an oral pick after this. No, but you know, it's so interesting because it's like, I mean, to be honest, because we're very real here, I probably floss whenever I think about it, which is not that often. Mm -hmm. I do have an electric toothbrush. I do the two minutes twice a day and honestly, sometimes more, which I don't know is good. But By the I way, we're obsessed with the Gobi electric toothbrush. Have you heard of that one? I tried it. Okay. That one's changed our lives. It. Yeah. It's, okay. it's great. Like um, it? It's amazing. So this yeah, little I'm disclaimer. <laughs> I take really good care of my teeth. Like, I am very diligent. Well, I we'll don't. The, apparently, I don't now that. because I take a. I don't use a water pick. But every time I go into the dentist, maybe this is my issue. I get like she almost tells me to floss more, and I'm like, I floss night and day, and maybe wait, you'll know why. Here's, here's the thing. I don't, and I go in there, exactly. and they're like, you're a star, and I'm like, thank yeah. you. See, and honestly, yeah. Now that, that happens. Oh, no, no, go no, you go first. Well, I was just going to say, now that I'm hearing, like, what flossing does, it's changed my whole perspective. Because for me, before, I'm like, okay, I go in. Right, they you're tell like, me, they say I'm fine. No, they rave about me. <laughs> and so I'm like, great. I'm not changing a thing. And right. what you said makes so much sense that now I'm a little mortified, honestly. <laughs> it's okay. We have time to change. That, that's never been explained to me in that way. It makes so much sense. And I thought flossing, honestly, was just one of those things that they're like, remember to floss. And you're like, yep, got it. No problem. And then see you yeah. in six months. And you tell me I'm a star again. And then I'm out. Like, right. Right. Well, but let me finish about the Gobi toothbrush. Oh, because ever since I started using it, I have been going to the dentist, I don't know, two times since I started using it. And completely different, night and day. She was like, this time she was like, what has changed? And I'm literally, the only thing that has changed is me using an electric toothbrush versus not. So I just have to and make that statement. Yeah. I mean, that's like another important, so there, there's a bunch there. I will say like the story between you two is something that we get all the time. Siblings, partners, friends, the company. I mean, going back to the start of the company, my co-founder, who was my friend, still my friend, but like was only my friend at the time. Uh, he is the cliche patient who had cavities every time he saw a dentist, right? Like no matter, and candidly, like probably had way better hygiene than I did. He's a lot of candy, but whatever. Um, but yeah, had cavities every time he would go and they would just say like, it's genetic or you just have bad teeth. What does that mean? You know, like you're yeah. try if you're doing all the things that people tell you and you're still having this problem, it's not, and we knew that it obviously like it, it's not genetic right. only in nature. Um, so that's something that we investigate with our technology. Why does that happen? And it comes down to the kinds of bacteria that are in your, in your mouth. 
right? So you guys, two people could have the same symptoms, but if they have different kinds of bacteria that are driving those symptoms, like there's different interventions that are going to be more effective for one person than the other, or one of those people may be harder to treat than another, which is why you get people who just, no matter what they do, like they continue to suffer from these conditions. Um, as far as the, the toothbrush, I'll try the Gobi. I'm interested. Um, But what do you recommend? Yeah. This goes back to the personalization piece of the platform. So one of the powerful things with the test is, you know, we boil down our results. It's, it's all zero to 10. Like the, the idea is make it as easy as possible to understand what your oral health status is. And if you want to like dig into the data, then you can, but on the back end, we're doing a ton of complex science and we're looking at things like, what is the effect of flossing on the oral microbiome? Does it have a bigger impact for people who have cavities causing bacteria or is it people with gum disease? Spoiler, it's gum disease. Um, Mm. You know, we found that actually flossing is one of the most effective interventions for people with high amounts of bad breath causing bacteria. If you have bad breath and you're not flossing, start flossing religiously. And similar with, with brushing your teeth, we looked through our data because we ask our users and we have some clinical research studies going do you use a manual or electric toothbrush and we found like very distinct differences based on the kinds of bacteria in the mouth and things like age like sex um whether or not an electric toothbrush would be more effective for some people than others and that's something that has never really been looked at at that level before. All the studies around flossing or brushing our teeth or anything else that exists out there, they they grab, you know, 20 people, they tell them floss for three weeks or four weeks, and they basically check inside of their mouths to see if the symptoms went down. But nobody's looked at it at the bacterial level. Nobody's looked at it at like, I hate to throw this word around, but like data science level. Right. to start to really stratify and personalize what those recommendations should be. Well, it's the same thing with gut health. When I was in college and I had IBS, they were like, I don't think they said it's genetic, but they said that's just what you have to live with. And you're like, there's no way that that actually is the case. At the time, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to yeah. be a long, bumpy ride for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like without getting, again, too deep in, into it, do you have any ideas of why this isn't talked about more? Why don't, if if Jenna and I don't know, I'm not saying that none of our listeners know, I'm sure some people have heard of it, but I think there's going to be a lot of people that are shocked because even just like what you're saying about flossing and bad breath, why isn't this talked about more? Is there not enough science and data out there and you guys are doing a lot of things that haven't been looked at? How does that happen? It's one of the most frustrating <laughs> things for like mm-hmm. me and I think us as a company. It's not talked about a lot. I have theories but I honestly don't know why. And it's crazy because if if oral disease was and oral health was like somewhat rare, it wasn't super critical to our overall health, whatever. That would be one thing, but oral diseases like cavities and gum disease are the most prevalent diseases on the planet. The most common diseases that people can get on the planet. Something like, I think three and a half billion people are estimated to suffer from oral disease, which is roughly half the population. That's Uh, insane. You know, it's it's one of the most expensive set of diseases, not for the country, but actually for the the people. So I think 
in total, the U.S. spends something like $3 trillion a year with a T on, on healthcare every year. And I think $150 billion per year is spent on dental care. Um, yeah. mm. But 40% of that, so again, almost half of our countries spend on dental care is paid for out of pocket by patients. And when we look at the rest of healthcare, everything outside of, of dental care, I think it's more like uh, 10%. Wow. So on an individual level, I am personally paying more for dental care every year than any other part of my medical care. Which and is insane. It's crazy. And, um, you know, people are going into debt because of dental care because of diseases that are the most common on the planet that are also like largely preventable, which I think is the, the sticking point for me is like these diseases don't have to happen. And that's what mm -hmm. you said earlier about treating cancer once you already see the tumors. It's time now to understand what your oral microbiome looks like. That way you can take the steps because I'm sure most people that are in their 20s, 30s, even 40s and 50s, there's still time to reverse it, right? If you get your test back and you're like, oh gosh, this doesn't look good, you at least have steps you can take to make the changes, right? Totally. And and I think going back to your question about like why it's not spoken about more, it's really personal. Like I think it's it's one of those conditions where people suffer in silence. It's not like people go around all the time being like, my gums were just bleeding so much this morning in the sink. Like it's been going on for <laughs> so weeks. True. Uh, yeah. Or like, mm -hmm. do my teeth look more yellow to you today? Like I swear, it's a good I mean, point. You know, I hate yeah. to say it, but it's like a really embarrassing set of conditions, and people don't talk about it. So I think that's the first thing. I think Wait, the second thing is that. Mm -hmm getting access to dental care is one of the hardest things to do in this country. Um, 30 million people roughly per year avoid dental checkups. Uh, and the three main reasons are cost, fear, and inconvenience. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like when I go to the dentist, we love our dentist. Like his son is a, is a friend of ours. Like, yeah. We love the dentist. Still, my mom's like, Jill, you have to go. And I'm like, I don't want to. Like, you're right. right. It's actually very personal. Right. And even though I get good responses for them every time, one time when I was like nine, I don't know if they embarrassed me or like, not that we were at a different dentist at that point, but like something happened that created this like negative feeling. Trauma. And since then, I've just never wanted to go to the dentist. And our dad's the same way. Yeah. Like, and like, who likes to just sit with their mouth open for 45 minutes? I mean, that's people me. get caught between a, a rock and a hard place, right? Like, especially if you're at home and you start noticing some symptoms with your mouth. And the only other alternative is like, you're either ignoring the symptoms and hoping that they go away. And you're like, okay, I'm going to be really good about brushing and flossing mm -hmm. for the next couple of weeks. And the other option is I have to go see a dentist and go through these like invasive, painful kinds of procedures and who knows what's going to happen on the other side. Obviously people are going to avoid going to the dentist, but right. like the, yeah. the repercussion of that is the disease progresses, it gets way worse. And then it becomes an emergency, which is why we see so much out of pocket spend every year. And, and I think the third reason cavities are a huge nuisance. Maybe you've experienced some, some halitosis or chronic bad breath. Uh, but the the real repercussions of oral disease don't tend to manifest until later in life so like 
40s, 50s, 60s. And and I think oral health falls into this bucket of like a lot of people, I'm sure if you talk to like older adults, you know, this isn't the best, it's not the best source of information, but like if you go on Reddit and you're <laughs> reading through some of these threads and like somebody posts something and it's like, what do you, you know, what do you wish that you did differently when you were younger? The amount of times that I've seen take care of my teeth in the top two or three comments is crazy. And it's oh, coming wow. from all of these people that weren't proactive about it, that are now experiencing these massive issues later in life that cost like 40 or $50,000 to fix. Yeah. yeah. And the reality is, is like what you're saying, brushing twice a day with most likely an electric toothbrush, unless your results for whatever reason show that like, that's not great for you. Is Floss. that a thing? Does, does anyone not need to use an electric toothbrush? I would say it's probably a default better option. Okay. Oh, okay. Never yeah. mind. Scratch that. <laughs> sure. Okay. So it's more about like, we look at, yeah, I think manual versus electric is not as important as the frequency of brushing. Got gotcha. It. Okay. So twice a day, uh-huh. flossing, would you should go with a water pick if you can. Those aren't hard things to do every day. Some of the things we recommend you do for like your health, even like going on a t- getting 10,000 steps a day is kind of a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Like I would if you said in order to be healthy, you either have to brush your teeth t- twice a day for two minutes or take 10,000 steps. I'd pick brushing my teeth. Yeah. Like, it's so simple in theory. And I would rather like not regret that when I'm 60. Yeah. But it but again, it comes back to how you view like healthy, right? Like, yeah. because at, you know, we're, we're all, um, superficial to some extent. Yeah. If you told me that, uh, I could choose between like brushing my teeth or walking 10,000 steps and be healthy in either case, hell yeah, I'm going to choose brushing my teeth. But if after three months I'm sitting there and I'm like 40 pounds heavier, right? you know, I'm not going to feel great about that. Sure, and I think that yeah. the challenge is a lot of people, it is people do tend to pick right? It's like, what right. kind of healthy do you want to be? Yeah. Um, and and well, they prioritize that. Although I agree that brushing is pretty easy. Yeah. I, I think too, what you were saying, it's, I love what you guys are doing. And I think it's important to have these conversations. And I'm glad we're having this right now because hearing, I know it hits home for people when they hear 90 year olds talking about their regrets in life. Right. So I think maybe even just talking about it more, I think, could be helpful because people just need that trigger in their mind to be like, oh shit, I should probably be taking care of my oral health more. Or because again, you're not having those conversations with your friends, with your family as much. But on that note, I do have one of my best friends confess to like having five or six cavities after not going to the dentist recently because obviously she didn't go. And so my question is for you, okay, we have people like that these five or six cavity people, which sometimes you have this situation, what are things people can be doing to mitigate or make sure that they're not dealing with cavities if they're not seen, if they're seeing a dentist once every six months, like we're told to do? Yeah. Let me start with the uh, seeing a dentist every six months piece. Oh, yeah. And this is going to be like somewhat Uh-oh. controversial. Oh, shoot. Um, oh, gosh. Your friend, I'm assuming the case was like she didn't see her dentist at the next checkup. So it was like, let's call it like 12 months between visits 12 months and apparently very prone to cavities is what she would consider the six month cleaning i think is this really interesting it's not a myth like it is very helpful and i would encourage people to get it but Mm -hmm. as far as it being like essential to oral health i i tend to disagree um we find that 
the the oral microbiome tends to you know let's consider like you're going into the dentist your oral microbiome is at state a and they're doing you know power washing like to the max of your mouth and you're coming out with theoretically like a clean slate mm-hmm. we find that the oral microbiome generally rebalances or like gets back pretty close to state a like within three or four weeks of that that cleaning so it's not like you go in for a cleaning and you're just set for six months right. um so for your friend like i wouldn't say wow. that like yeah. not seeing the dentist was the main reason that she got all those cavities like it's mm-hmm. something else that needs to change <laughs> uh no, that's that's good though because you think you're you're conditioned to think that going to the dentist is the solution to the oral problems you're having. Mm-hmm. And I right. have always thought that if by going, haha, I'm, I can't wait to talk to mom because my mom's like, you're gonna start getting cavities because I missed my summer checkup, and so I'll go like to my winter yeah. one. But we're conditioned to think, and I'm not saying don't do it, but it's like because you didn't go get your teeth cleaned by the dentist, like you're screwed. I mean, it's like saying, hey, you didn't see your primary care doctor this year. Like, that's why you got the flu. Like, that's right. right. It, it makes no sense. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. And, so, yeah. And the, the last piece is so there was this really, really big uh, clinical trial in, in England through the NHS, so their national healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And they were asking the same question that we're talking about, which is like, how important is it to see your dentist every six months? Because that actually originated as far as i know and i'll probably get called out on this but the idea of the six-month dental visit actually originated from an ad um so there was a company a toothpaste company called pepsodent i think they're still around in the 1950s and they were marketing their toothpaste and one of their ads was something along the lines of like if you use pepsodent twice per day you only need to see your dentist every six months and it just stuck like that is that's like the that's the origin of like this idea that we have to go every six months wait that's Um, crazy yeah so so this healthcare system put that theory to the test and they stratified this patient population by risk for oral disease based on a bunch of factors and what they found at the end was that people in the low risk bucket so like again people who you know, you have good oral hygiene, there's not medical factors that like could make you prone to oral disease, all of that kind of stuff. They found that people in that bucket had no difference in oral health outcomes, whether they saw the dentist every six months or once every two years. Wow. Wow. Interesting. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. And again, like for people listening, no one here saying that you shouldn't go to the dentist. We're just saying it takes a lot. It just takes a lot more to really achieve good oral health other than going to the dentist, which I think is like, that's kind of, it's it's shocking. I'm not going to stop going, but it makes me feel better that I can control my oral health. Like it almost feels like your dentist controls it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't really know anything about it. And that's the other thing too, that I know, especially as you get older, becomes scarier is like, are you getting ripped off by the dentist? Are they telling you that you need things and procedures done? I'm not saying all dentists do this, but I've definitely heard horror stories of you get this procedure done and then you go to a new dentist and they're like, why did they do that? Like you didn't need that. It's yeah, it's tough. And I'm, I'm going to take the empathetic, optimistic 
stance here, but there's <laughs> other views, right? Like, so the first problem is that um, a lot of diagnoses and, and recommendations in the clinic are subjective. So you can take like, you can take an x-ray and put it in front of five dentists and you, you may get like five different diagnoses. Mm. Um, somebody may spot five cavities, somebody may spot three, somebody may spot one. And there's also personal preferences in terms of, are you more conservative in the sense of, hey, you know, this isn't necessarily a problem that we need to tackle, but like my personal stance is, you know, I want to be proactive about it. So like, let's do the filling now. Or are they in conservative liberal, not the right word, but like, you know, some, some dentists are more, hey, like there's an early problem here, but let's wait to see what happens. Or like, right. I'm going to wait until, you know, it really needs an intervention. And that's, that's why you get so many different opinions. And I think that's why people, it's definitely a problem, right? Because you're not getting consistent information. And in some cases, people are probably getting procedures that they don't need. Some people aren't getting procedures that they do need. That's a problem in and of itself. And it leads to a lot of skepticism. And I also think that dentists are in this really tough position of being dentistry is a little bit different than, than the medical industry because there's a lot of private practices. Um, so dentists are in this position of being like, business owners right. and healthcare providers. And like, yeah. ideally those don't conflict, but inevitably they do. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that makes it really, really tough to operate in the space. And then you've got the whole fee-for-service care model stacked on top of that, where dentists only get paid to do procedures. Our healthcare system doesn't incentivize or reward dentists or medical doctors for that matter for preventing disease. They pay out based on the procedures and treatments that a patient needs. Yeah, that's wow. huge. That's a good point. If you go on TikTok, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of things out there. So we want to go through a few things that are pretty common on TikTok and like okay. you don't have to give like I mean, an exact answer. Ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's not like I absolutely hate it to like yes, 100% of people should do it. Where in that range does this fall for you? So I'd say first one is mouthwash. What are your thoughts on it? Um, largely should not be done, especially alcohol-based mouthwashes. So Listerine. Yeah, yeah. Um, call them out. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they're kind of like a broad spectrum antibiotic, right? Yes, it kills, I don't know if this is even accurate, but like I'm using air quotes for the audience listening, like mm -hmm. kills 99.9% .9 of gingivitis causing bacteria, but it also kills a pretty large amount of all of the other bacteria in your mouth too, including the good ones. So what happens in certain cases, and this is the same with antibiotics, is like you're you're wiping the slate clean, but you're wiping the slate too clean um, yeah, to the point where if you don't change other aspects of your oral health, you can just reintroduce those harmful bacteria. And now they have even more room to grow because you've you've eradicated all of your defense systems. Mm. Yeah. It's funny you say that because when I got the virus of, I don't want to say it just in case, you know, it like would then you get ding for things. Mm -hmm. um, when I had the virus, what uh, my doctor's protocol, part of it was um, mouthwash because the goal was to kill 
bacteria at that point. They're just like, who cares? That was one of the part of the protocol. So it makes sense that the goal is to kill and like we have too much good bacteria in our mouths. Like that's not the goal. So that makes right. sense. It's kind me. of like very, uh, I'm stretching the analogy here, but like, it's kind of like chemotherapy. In theory, it's good because you're killing, I, it works because you're killing off those like right. tumor cells, but you're right. but a lot of else to the rest of the body as well. It's not like sure. the yeah. chemotherapy differentiates between sure. what you want to keep and what you don't want to keep. Makes yeah. Sense. No, that makes sense. Okay. Next one. Uh, this one was huge on TikTok for a while. Tongue scraping so good really oh, yeah. wow okay you ever, i think you did I have a little bit a little bit and then i was like that was, am i doing this right i meant to mention that when we were talking about best practices yeah mm -hmm. okay. tongue scraping Tug is great daily uh yeah okay. okay and does that what does that help with everything in general just like keeping a cleaner yeah, I mean, I think it's a good general practice. And, and specifically, there are, you know, like, for people that take the test, there are certain bacteria. Um, you know, there's like a set of bacteria related to halitosis, so chronic bad breath, that uh, tend to grow like on the surface of your tongue, right? So the way that we want to tackle those bacteria is different than somebody else who has bad breath, but their bacteria are the ones that predominantly grow in your gum line. Sure. Okay. Um, oil pulling. Skeptical. Mm. What? So we had a big, we had a big oil puller for a while. But again, she she's just kind of like on a, a lot of the trends to right. see what works. She's more of like our guinea pig. So why skeptical? Um, I don't think. Let me let me preface it with I don't think it's harmful. Okay. Uh, because there's nothing in it that would cause damage to your oral microbiome or your oral health right. in theory, but I don't think it's the silver bullet for improving okay. oral health either. Okay. There, there's little clinical research on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just haven't seen enough data to necessarily sway me one way or the other to say that it is a an additive, you should implement this practice. Okay. I don't I mean, think that, that makes you're sense. losing anything doing it, but I wouldn't sit here and say that you're going to gain something adding it either right and cool. i think it's more i mean from what i've found it's more of like an ayurvedic practice as i think tongue scraping is too so some i guess sometimes it means that there's not going to be a ton of data on it um but i could completely understand how as long as it's and kind that's of where, just up in I the mean, air that's where a company like ours i think plays a really important role because we we do have people that are oil pulling right, right. so if we can record that information and they take two tests and we can sure. kind of control for other factors based on the size of our database, mm -hmm. we may be able to find like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's for cool. these kinds yeah. of bacteria and these kinds of people. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Okay. This isn't trendy by any means, but I, I feel like I'll know your answer, but what are your thoughts on gum? Chewing gum? Chewing gum? Uh, xylitol gum is great. Okay. Uh, okay. Sugar based gum is not. Fair. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. We could have had something shocking here. You never uh, know. So what wait, happened? I, go ahead. Sorry. I read in, I read from you guys, correct me, whatever point if I'm wrong, but xylitol gum can help increase the saliva production. Did I make that up? Yeah. So there's, yeah, no, 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 you're spot on. So there's okay. two, two advantages. So, so the gum is good because it stimulates saliva production. Mm -hmm. um, any, like, Anything that stimulates saliva production is, is helpful. Actually, in the kit, we have um, 
on like the instruction card, there's some scratch and sniff stickers to help stimulate saliva for when you're spitting oh, wow. in the tube. But uh, anything that does that is like helpful um, mm-hmm. because your saliva is the best natural washer for your mouth. The xylitol piece is helpful because xylitol is a sugar, um, but it's this interesting kind of sugar that can't be uh, metabolized by bacteria into acid. Mm-hmm. So like cavities causing bacteria will, will eat xylitol, but they can't fully digest it. I'm trying to like boil this down. So they can't like, um, it does, they can't feed off of it. Right. Right. Like they okay, can't eat off of it. So it helps kind of starve those bacteria. And a lot of studies have shown that like eating or using xylitol based products will decrease the abundance of pathogenic bacteria, specifically the ones related to cavities, because they're expending energy trying to eat this stuff, but they're not like mm-hmm. getting full. So they kind of starve to death. Interesting. Sure. Okay. No, that makes sense. So, okay. What about everyone? Uh, it's like, okay. But xylitol is terrible for dogs. Oh, okay. That's yes. good to know. Thank you. It's very poisonous to dogs. Our Duke I was slain say, right here. Our dog is like peacefully <laughs> sleeping right next to us. Um, okay. Um, what if you're going on a date and you want your breath to smell minty fresh not that you have a breath problem to begin with if like, you do though okay yeah you do or you don't what do you recommend like is there a natural like mint that you can buy or like because i mean that's i feel like that's very common for people they want their mouth to feel fresh right without eating yeah, altoids I mean, if, or yeah right no i mean i would stay away from all that stuff because yeah altoids have sugar in them right yeah. so like there's the short-term benefit of bombing your mouth with minty freshness and then there's like the long-term like bacterial growth that'll uh-huh. probably occur in the next couple hours um <laughs> no i would go with like you know your normal hygiene regimen floss brush tongue scrape and then there's xylitol based mints out there that you can okay. use so i would recommend you know chewing on a couple of those um mm-hmm. again xylitol based gum and then you know, like avoiding the foods and yeah, drinks no, and whatever are. else kind of gets in the way. Um, That's helpful. You know, we, tips we... are like, yeah, like with alcohol, you know, make sure you're like sipping water, not just for the hangover, but like to help wash down like the sugar from the alcohol so that your bacteria aren't feeding on it. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. And that's helpful. To continue on those types of practices, okay, we have people with bad breath, with cavities who are li- listening to this. Obviously, taking the bristle test would be a benefit to them, but what are a few things that maybe we haven't covered that you're like, you should start doing right now after you're, you've listened to this podcast? Yeah. I mean, I think tongue scraping is like one of those things that people don't know that much about, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really, really impactful. Um, can you just get one on is, Amazon? Yeah, they're a okay. couple dollars. Um, cool. Yeah, so very. The water pick's a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's like, but that's a thing that like always gets me. We sometimes get the backlash or comments of like, you do this, but it's so expensive. And it's like, okay, pay a little bit more now for a water pick or pay God knows how much in 20 or 30 years when your teeth are falling out. Like not to be dramatic, <laughs> yeah. but like, you know. So it's I mean, like the water pick, pick, pick and yeah. choose. I can't remember exactly. I, I'm sure that there's cheaper models out there and sure. they're all pretty effective. Um, I don't think it's hundreds or like thousands of dollars. Uh, the water picks or the tongue scrapers are like two or three dollars, I'm sure. 
Uh, can start there. Let's see. Another great thing is, um, so there, there's these bacteria in your mouth that reduce nitrate to nitric oxide. And the details behind it aren't super important. The takeaway is that nitric oxide is like this really, really important compound in our bodies and it helps regulate blood pressure. So having higher levels of nitric oxide is connected to lower blood pressure status and, and lower risk of hyper, hypertension and cardiovascular disease. Now, it's interesting because if, if I remember correctly, and I'm hoping nobody quote me on this, but like mm. either the majority or all um, of the, this nitrate reduction process happens from non-native bacteria. So like our bodies don't naturally reduce nitrate to nitric oxide. It's all the, ba the bacteria in our mouths and the bacteria in our gut that perform that function. So if you have low levels of, of those bacteria, you're unable to perform that function. And we found associations between low levels of those bacteria and higher blood pressure status. Um, so like, you know, half of bristle is generally let's decrease the amount of these bad bacteria, but the other half is like, let's increase the amount right. of those beneficial ones. And one of the most impactful things is just increasing your consumption of nitrate rich foods. Uh, so, you know, and it's like, so obvious it's like spinach you know all the leafy greens like mm -hmm. beets are really high in nitrate but you can buy um nitrate rich chews online so there's some like beet beet root juice chews that oh, you can buy um, that we found to be really <laughs> really beneficial and and the nitrate reducing bacteria tend to compete with some of those bad bacteria in our mouths as well so you know, as you increase the good, you'll also be able to decrease the bad. Cool. cool. No, that's super helpful. Yeah. Okay. And then, so lastly, like after listening to this, if you're not interested in testing your oral microbiome, then like good for you. But I personally am now extremely curious, mm -hmm. slash a little nervous, but that's okay. How do you go about uh, taking the bristle test? So like, do they go online? Can you kind of walk us through what that process looks like? Yeah. So people visit the website, it's bristlehealth.com. Um, and you just order your kit. It shows up, I think in two to three days and you literally spit in a tube. We have a prepaid envelope. You send it back. There's a short questionnaire just asking you about your hygiene and some other kind of lifestyle medical factors. Uh, and in two weeks, your results are available online and you'll have all of your scores. You'll have all of your recommendations at the bottom. So diet, hygiene, oral care products. And we have a, a small team of hygienists and we offer all of our users like a one-on-one -on -one video consult with them. So you can walk through your results. You can ask questions. Uh, you know, it's a chance to kind of talk about your personal preferences. Like we had, you know, there was a user who had a high gum inflammation score and they had mentioned that they, they didn't floss regularly. And the reason was because they're like, their hands were too big to get to their back molars with floss physically. Um, and that oh, was the wow. only reason. And like, you know, we pointed them in the direction of a water pick, they started doing it. And I think they saw like a 50% reduction, you know, in three months of those, those pathogenic bacteria. Interesting. So the coaching call is great. Cool. Um, yeah, that's the process. Yeah, and it's, it's we have, Jill and I have 
Jill and I have two tests waiting for us at home, so we're going to be doing it. Um, and we'll document it for all of you guys listening. We'll document it on our Instagram story, and we'll make a video about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're the, really excited. No, thank you. This has been incredible. Yeah. And I think there's our favorite thing about bringing guests onto the podcast is inviting people in on like topics that you just wouldn't know about and mm-hmm. that you're not educated about, but that are also like really simple to improve on. Nothing you said today is so ridiculous that it wouldn't make sense for our listeners to like try it out, right? Yep. That's that's a beautiful thing about, you know, when I think about all of healthcare and all of these massive problems that we're trying to tackle, I think oral health is probably the lowest hanging fruit in terms of like getting people from zero to one and having this huge impact and improvement on health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us yes. today. We really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Um, thank you. And we'll put all in the show notes, we'll put like the website and everything like that so we can guide people uh, towards y'all. Cool. cool. Sounds good.